sin. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the passage we read collectively together. 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to look again at verses 14 through 21. Hey, it was just a week ago, just a week ago, Orlando had a bit of a change. Maybe you didn't notice it. Really, as your pastor, I kind of hope that most of you didn't notice what happened last week. But over 30,000 people came to the Orange County Convention Center for the Star Wars Convention 5. Over 30,000 of them showed up and they wanted and longed to be in a story beyond themselves. So they dressed as Princess Leia or how they think Princess Leia might look. They they dressed as uh, Han Solo and Darth Vader and Jabba the Hutt and Yoga. And apparently they were all there at the Orange County Convention Center. If you were there right now, I hope you feel a little uncomfortable about that a little bit. Just kidding. Uh, Maybe that's what you're into, but... Kind of interesting reading about this, reading about what they had going on. For a small fee, you and your uh, partner, your, your significant other, can go to a commitment chapel, and you could have your union be- blessed by either the dark side or the light side, your choosing. Kind of interesting. They also had a thing there, they had something called speed dating. That if you're there and you're single and you wanted to get to know somebody, they had something called speed dating. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that should be illegal. I mean, I mean I'm just telling you right now. We should not allow speed dating at a place like that. Maybe speed counseling, you know. Come as quick as we can. We have counselors standing by. But what is it? I mean, what is it about us that 30,000 of us would dress up as a character and go down and participate in a story. You ready for this? And for some of you, this may be hard to hear, but you need to hear it. In a story that's not real. (laughs) The truth is, is we all long for a story beyond ourselves. We all long for a story that seems to captivate life in a way that we can't muster in our own little lives. That's what we're longing for. We have been made by a God who is ultimate and who is almighty and who is the awesome storyteller. We have been created for a bigger story than the stories of our little lives. The answer is not a Star Wars convention. There is very great news for us today is that God is calling us into a bigger story. God is calling us into His big story. His ultimate story. And it's His story that is based on reality. We never know reality until we have been called in by God's grace through faith in His Son to understand Him into the ultimate story. We'll never know ourselves. We'll never know Him until His story is really our story. So we've been called into that story. But God's story is amazing because it's this. It really is amazing about how this gracious God works. Because not only does He call us out of our little stories of our lives, but He calls us into this grand story of what He's doing with the world. Are you ready for this? He's more. He calls us as His family. Those of us who know Him, He calls us to be His storytellers. So not only are we called into this story of life that's real and has meaning and purpose, 
But he also calls us into this story in a way that we now are those that he has raised up to tell his story. That's the point of what Paul was telling the church at Corinth in this passage. We read it together. Let me read it again for us with that kind of mindset. Let's listen to God's holy and errant word out of 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to read again verses 14 through 21. Paul writes to the church of Corinth through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he writes to us today too. God's Word says what was written in the past was for us. So we lean in, say, God, speak. We need to hear it. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded that one has died for all, that's Jesus, therefore all have died. And He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for, him, for, uh, for, uh, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new things have come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And really, the word there in the Greek is the word of reconciliation. It's Christ, the Word of God, became flesh to reconcile us. Now we have this word, this story of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Thank You, Lord. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. God making His appeal through us. We implore You on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Let us pray. Father, with power come and speak. What does this mean for us today? What does this mean for our church today and leaning into the future? We're here by Your design. We're here for Your glory. And now come and be teacher, we pray. In Christ's name, Amen. The first thing we see is this, is that in this passage, it's the love of Christ that saves us from our small stories. That God has saved us to something so much bigger, so much grander is His story. I mean, really, I hope as we hear about those 30,000 people who made their trek here to Orlando to take part of that Star Wars convention to be a part of a bigger story than themselves, I mean, part of it, we probably say, you know, that's kind of a little bit pathetic. I mean, really, are you really going to try to find life in a story beyond yourself? Uh, are you really going to try meaning and purpose by dressing up as Yoda? I mean, is that, is that really what it's about? And, and really, I think for most of us, we may not go down to the Orange County Convention Center dressed like Darth Vader, but for all of us, we get dressed in the morning longing for a story to be told. Longing to be a part of a story that matters. I mean, for all of us. Maybe, maybe our garb looks a little different than it did down at the convention story, the convention center. 
But that's the reality. We long for a true story. And here is the good news, the grace of God to come and to save us. Save us from our small stories into His grand, true story. The story of Christianity is this, that there is an evil force. There is a dark empire. There is uh, an enemy who is against us. An enemy who would love to keep us uh, out of God's love, out of God's story. Uh, not only that, our flesh, our flesh, our sinfulness uh, rails against God's story that, that we want to be the ultimate story. We want to be the ultimate storytellers. It's interesting when I was wrestling with this and say, you know, what is it about our lives? What are we trying to do with our stories? And I think there's three things that emerge. One is this. We want to control our own stories. We want to be in control. Don't you want to be in control? Don't you want to know what tomorrow is going to be like? Don't you want to know that you can wake up safe and secure and have meaning and purpose? Uh, we kind of want to control our own stories. And maybe even dressing up like a character gives us some kind of crazy control because maybe, just maybe, the people that are down there dressed up as Darth Vader think they've lost control of their own story. And maybe, just maybe, they think that they can control a part of a fantasy story. But the reality for all of us, if we live long enough, is this. We don't have control of anything, do we? Do you have control of your health? How's control of your finances worked in this economy? How about your jobs? Do you have control of your kids, parents? How's that going? What kind of control do we have? Do you have control of your life? How's your thought life? we have any control there? See, we want to control our own stories, and yet we're so broken, we're so sinful, we can't control anything. Not only that, we kind of want to star in our own stories. We want to be the center, the center of the universe, the center of the world. We want to star. And I think what maybe is happening down there at that convention store, center is this, that people realize that their own lives aren't really star worthy. They're not Star Wars worthy. So let me pretend. Let me dress up. Let me pretend to be a star in somebody else's made-up story. God has created us for a story, but He's created us never to be the star of the story. Only His Son and His Son alone is the star of the ultimate stories. We also want to validate our own stories. May my life make sense. It really works. And really, the only way we can have our stories validated is if we're part of God's bigger story. So this is the deal. God graciously calls us into His story by, ready for this, making us new stories. There's conversion in our lives. It's, it's called being born again when the grace of God penetrates into our lives where He gives us new life. He says, I'm taking you from the dark side of sin and depravity and separation from Me, and by My grace and the work of Christ, I'm bringing you into the light. This light side. This is not, Jesus doesn't come and say, hey, get religion in your life so you have another chapter. Your life will be more full. And, it, you know, now you're at that age of your life. You want to be more robust story. Bring a little Jesus in. Bring a little religion in. And make sure that that's part of your story. No, we come to Jesus by God's grace. And he says, if you come to me, you ready for this? I'm ripping up your old story. I mean, all, all the sin and the stain and all the depravity and all the emptiness and all the hollowness, all the things that are broken, all the times you wanted to be star, all the things you've tried to control and you have not been able to control, come to me and I'm going to give you a brand new story. It's called a new creation, a new life. 
What is it about that story? Well, first of all, we see it's a love story. Look again at verse 14. May the love of Christ, it's an interesting word there, may it compel us. This is the most awesome love story. What does it say in John 3.16? For God so loved the world. Go figure. He loved a sin-soaked world. God so loved the world that He would send His only Son, Jesus our Savior, here to rescue us. This whole story is compelled starting with the love of God. There's such good news for us this morning. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to put on a a costume to have God like us. Because you know what? God loves sinners. And we know it. His love was so compelling for us that He would send forth His Son to rescue us. It is absolutely a love story. Not only should it compel us to love Him back, it should constrain us. May the love of Christ constrain us. What does that look like? It's it's probably like Joseph. If you remember the Old Testament story of Joseph in in the Old Testament as he was in Egypt and Potiphar's wife, a married woman, was saying to him over and over again, this boy away from home that was abducted into slavery, just come sleep with me. Come and just take your woes to my bed and let let you feel better about yourself. Come find your identity in me. Come and have me. And what does Joseph say? He says, man, how could I do this? I'm constrained by the love of Christ. How could I do this and sin against God? Man, that's an amazing love story. It's a love that this word that compels or constrains, really, it's, it's God's love that holds us together. I thought about it, love that holds us together. I thought a little bit of Captain and Tennille. If anybody has that song going on, that's a little scary. Um, our love can hold us together. That's really not going to work. But God's love story will hold us together. Listen, I, I just don't want us to lose this thought right here. God says, I'm going to call you to a love story that's going to compel you to love back. I'm going to call you to a love story that's going to constrain you. Ready for this? I'm going to call you to a love story that's going to hold you together. When you just don't feel you can even hold yourself together. When your whole life is fraying at the sides when nothing is going right, the love of Christ says, I'm going to hold you together. What an amazing love story. It's a tragedy turned triumph in verse 15. It says, one died for all, that Jesus came and he, he died the death that we deserve. And he says this, that in Christ Jesus, in this mystery of God, that God counts Jesus' death as our death. He died on our behalf. Why? So we no longer have to live in little teeny stories. So we no longer have to live for ourselves. So our small stories won't define us. The small story of our lives won't constrain us. That God has something so much bigger and better for us. His love. It's like what Paul might think in Galatians 2.20. He's convinced that because Christ died, the life He now lives, He lives in Christ Jesus. Listen, the beauty of this, and we may not always feel it, is the reality is that we do now as His family, for those of us who, not because of religion, but because of grace in Christ, have Jesus as Savior, that we are now living in a new story. And now we live for a whole new purpose. The One who died and rose again for us. We now live for Him. We don't have to pretend anymore. We don't have to dress up as Yoda and go to a convention we now could be a part of His grand story. And now not only that, we see the whole world through another lens. It says in verse 16, the most confusing verse in this whole passage, the passage seems pretty simple in many ways. 
But verse 16 says we no longer consider those in the flesh, we, we, the way we used to see them. We, matter of fact, we saw Jesus a certain way. We no longer see him anymore as well. Here's what this is saying. Now when Christ comes into our lives and he gives us a new story, when he saves us from our pathetic small stories and lets us be a part of what he's doing in the world, he says basically you're going to see the whole world differently. Not according to the flesh. We should be able to see other people and see that the, the costumes they're wearing, the things that they're pretending to do and pretending to be, and what they're striving for, we should see them as they are, as image bearers, desperately needing Jesus. Basically, it's saying that God has now given us through the Holy Spirit lenses to see the world and the disguises they wear. And to say how pathetic that you have to wear a disguise over your true self. Come to Jesus. Wear His righteousness and live. That's the story he's telling us that he's calling us into that should affect our whole lives, even the way we see. Larry Crabb, who's an author and a counselor, says that we can star in our own stories or we can enter into God's story where Jesus is the star. See, that's the point of Christianity, isn't it? The point of Christianity is he calls us to be a part of this amazing grand story, but it's not that we can be the star of the story. There's already a star. He's been a star from eternity. His name's Jesus. But how gracious it is to come and know and love the star of this story. We will never be the star. He will never, as we found out last week, share his glory with another. Hey, parents, your children aren't the star of the story either. Your children aren't the stars of the story. They're important to us. They're such a big part of our lives, and I understand that. Are we burning down, or is that someone's alarm? Sorry. Man, that makes me feel bad. I didn't know someone had to get up and leave. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Orangewood. I'm sure she's never coming back. <laughs> Northland's up the street. Summit. <laughs> the first point is this, that there's a love of Christ that calls us out of our small stories into his bigger story. Let's just move on. The second thing is the reconciliation of Christ that makes us storytellers, that God has made us new, not just so that we can be uh, in this story, but there's more than that. He reconciles us so that we can tell His story. He's given us this word, this message of reconciliation. It is now ours. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's utterly amazing to me that God would love the world so much to send His Son to rescue us. And it's utterly preposterous to me that now He'll say, by the way, I'm now going to give to you the whole story of reconciliation. Now the story of what I'm doing in creation, church, family of God, is yours. I'm making you new so that you can be my storytellers. We are a critical member of God's family. We have a critical part of telling this epic story. Are we doing our part? Gary Hoggins, one of my heroes, uh, the guy is president and founder of IJM, International Justice Ministry Mission. What an amazing ministry that is to save those who are oppressed and those who are far from the kingdom of God by the sinfulness of others and it does great things. And let me encourage you to Google IJM and find out more about that great ministry. But when he was, 1994, when he was working for the Department of Justice for the states, he was sent to Rwanda. Uh, he was sent to go look at the genocide and what happened there. And he said as they gathered there, most people were wondering, where is God in this? Anytime you step into a tragedy, one of the first questions you ask 
is where is God? You know, what's happening here? Why is this tsunami? What happened to that earthquake in Haiti? Well, what happened in Rwanda? When other people were asking, where, where is God? The Spirit of God inside of Gary Haugen changed the question a little bit, and he asked this. Where is God's people? Where, where are God's people in the midst of this tragedy? And you know, what I think what he was really saying there is, is that he realized that he's an ambassador for Christ, that we as a church are the storytellers. Where are we? Are we telling the story? I mean, how come we aren't there saying about, telling the story about a God who loves and reconciles Jew and Gentile? A God who makes two people one? About a God who loves justice and mercy? Where are God's storytellers? Where are we? God has called us to tell His story in our unique way. You see, the reality is this. Listen to this. God's story of reconciliation, if you're a child of God, is incomplete unless you realize your role to tell His story. Well, listen, with the gifts He's given you and the neighborhood He's placed you, He's going to figure out the audience. He knows your gifts and abilities just the way you love Him. I tell you, storyteller, just the way you love your neighbor, just as the way you understand that you're Abba's child, and now that you're a part of this bigger story, you don't have to wear a disguise pretending anymore. You're robed in Christ's righteousness. You are now his story. And the Christmas classic Elf, those of you who watch the Christmas classic Elf, Buddy the Elf is looking for his dad. He finds out his dad's in New York City, and his dad happens to be a crooked editor of children's books. Books were heading to press. They realized, uh-oh, we missed one page of the children's book. Well, who cares? It's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's classic. It's a children's book. Run the books without one page. Without one page of the story. What does it do with that? There's a scene where you have this nun saying, trying to find out what happened. But the children love the books. That's my best attempt, not one laugh, all right? And no one saw Elf here, it's okay. See, with one page missing, the story is incomplete, right? So listen, if you are a child of God, if he has called you into a bigger story, he has now placed you as a storyteller. Every page matters. Let's think of another Christmas classic. It's a Wonderful Life. Remember that one? You know, George Bailey, he thought he was a failure. He thought his life didn't make sense. And so he really wanted to die. He, he didn't want to live the story anymore because his story was a story of failure. He couldn't see beyond himself. And all he could see was his own frailty, his own sinfulness. And he just wanted to get out of his story. So tempt suicide. And what happens is, you know, you know the story. He's shown what will happen if he's not a part of the story. What's the name of that place? Uh, got it written down. It becomes Pottersville. It was, really, it was really nice. What was the name of that place? Bedford Falls. Because he wasn't a part of the story, Bedford Falls becomes Potterville. Here's the point. Here's the point. God so loves the world that he sent his only son to rescue it. God so loves you that he calls you into his story that's bigger than you. And God so loves the world now that He has made us His storytellers. And without us living for Him in His glory, the story's incomplete. There's a page missing. Bedford Falls becomes Pottersville. What an incredible privilege we have to live for His story. A friend of mine um, went out to uh, 
California to go hear this fancy uh, storyteller. He went to a convention of storytellers. A guy who, who deals with a lot of Hollywood execs and helps them uh, learn how to tell good story and what are the elements of good story. And by the way, Donald Miller's got a new book out that kind of does a wonderful job doing this as well. I think it's like a million miles in a thousand years or something like that. Great story. But anyway, um, he goes out there to this convention and here are all the Hollywood, you know, mucky mucks and they're trying to learn how to make good story. And he makes this statement. They're very interesting to my friend and I find very intriguing as well. He says this, he says, Christians don't tell very good stories. Christians don't tell good stories because, ready for this? Christians don't like tension. Christians don't like tension, so they don't tell good stories because we know in a good story, when you get to the end of Act 2, it's always bleak. When you get to the Act 2, you wonder, are they going to make it? Is it going to be okay? And therefore, somehow he's saying that we aren't good storytellers. Listen, he is dead wrong. Christians should be the best storytellers. Why? Because we're the best part of God's story in Christ. That Jesus came and He wrote this story with His blood. And He now calls us living epistles, living books of His story. The most authentic storytellers should be us. Christians. Why? Because the truth has set us free. Because we don't have to put on a disguise and pretend we're something else. We bask in who we are in Christ Jesus. Maybe 2 Corinthians 5.21 continually needs to ring in our ears. For God took Him who knew no sin to become our sin so that in Him we could become the righteousness of Christ. You know what this is saying? That as Christians, God took all of the sham, all of the disgrace of any kind of garb that we could put on to pretend to be somebody and do something. And He says, I'm going to take that sin and that sham, I'm going to nail it to My Son, and I'm going to robe you in Christ's righteousness. And now you'll be my storytellers. You see, the world wears costumes to cover up their identity and their wounds from a real world. But we are now wearing Christ's righteousness. We're robed in His story to expose our wounds. We can't miss this. Here's the beautiful thing. Christianity now frees us to be real. We can tell the world, you know what? I'm a sinner who struggles. We can tell the world, I'm broken and fallen. We can tell the world, I need Jesus. And His righteousness robes me so much that I can now be honest with you. I can no longer have to pretend. I can now live an authentic life for you because I'm robed in Christ. I'm righteousness. I'm Abba's child. I'm really beloved. I'm really well-liked in Christ Jesus. Wounds. You know what makes AA successful? Brendan Manning did a great job with this in Abba's Child in his book. He says AA is successful because why? Those who've gone through the 12 steps, those who know the, how it works, those who can live and say, this is my brokenness, this is my wounds, they become amazingly powerful healers. You see, the amazing thing about the Christian story is this, is that we don't have to cover up our wounds. We don't have to pretend because we've been healed of our wounds. You ready for this? You know how we're healed? Through Christ's wounds. 
He was wounded on the tree so that our wounds would be healed. The wounds are a part of Jesus' story. The wounds will forever be a part of Jesus' story. We will see one day the wounds. The wounds will be a part of our story. Our sinfulness, our depression, our brokenness, our slothfulness. The wounds are a part of our story, but we don't have to cover it up. We turn to Jesus and say, heal me again. Heal me by your wounds. Heal me again. And now he wants us to just display this to the world in authenticity to say, I've been set free. I've been set free by a Savior who is wounded for my transgressions. And because he lives, I live too. So it comes down to the last point of this is Paul says, He's imploring us to be reconciled to God. And my third point, the imploring in Christ to a sacred journey. God has called us to be storytellers, but the only way we are good storytellers is if we know the story. Katie reminds me often, says, hey, I come home from church. Hey, so-and-so had a baby. That's great. They had a baby. What'd they have? I don't know. How big is it? No idea. What'd they name it? Don't know. That's not a very good storyteller. <laughs> That's just kind of frustrating. You know, you got her interested in the story. So-and-so had a baby, but then you come home with zero details after that. It's not your kids. I know all the details about your kids. I love them so much. I really do. But what makes a good storyteller a good storyteller? It's the details. It's the things that he can tell you about the story more clearly, more richly, more deeply. You see, we can only tell the story of God's love that we know, Right? We can only be storytellers of God's great story, only the part that we know. And the more we know about ourselves, and the more we know about the work of Christ on our behalf, and the more we know about our neighbors, and the more we know about the light of the Gospel, the better storytellers we will be. Anybody ever heard of fractals? Fractals. Uh, Benoit? Benoit? Mendelbrot, I believe, in 1975, a mathematician came up with this phrase, fractals. It's a mathematical term, and here's what it means. is a rough or fragmented geographic shape that can be split into parts, each of which is at least approximately a reduced size copy of the whole. So it's basically saying this. It's, it's something that in the whole is made up of little parts. If you break off a little part, that's the whole inside that little part. They're called fractals. Think broccoli. Think cauliflower. And you know what this reality is? Listen, we are God's fractals. In part, the piece of the parts, we should have the whole of the story. The whole of the story of God's love. Interesting, fractus. You know what it means? Broken or fractured. Interesting. That God takes broken, fractured sinners to be a part of His story that really reveal a microcosm of the whole story of God's love and redemption for our world. We are God's fractals. So if we are a reduced copy of the whole story, it's important for us to get the story right, isn't it? 
So Paul begs on our behalf, I beg you to be reconciled to God. Let me beg you, as pastor of Orangewood, be reconciled to God. If you're here and you're trying to live your own story and make it big, it'll never work, no matter who you dress yourself up as. God calls you into a bigger story. Embrace Christ as Savior. Welcome to the story that really gives life. For some of you, let me beg you, implore you, are you dating the church? Are you really a part of it? we got a couple Discovering Orangewood classes coming, and maybe it's time for you to say, i got to be a part of a body with accountability. Maybe not here, go somewhere else. But let me beg you, for the sake of the church, be a part of her. Be a part of her, not just a nominal part, but come and use your gifts. Adults, let me call you on a sacred journey. Young people, let me call you on a journey to God. What will it take? It will take us going back to the ultimate story. I believe, Orangewood, that the Father, the ultimate author, is calling us to crawl back into His lap and to get to know Him better. I believe that the author of the story is calling us to look at the star of the story, Jesus, and say, you need to love Him more deeply. And I believe we need to have the, uh, the uh, Holy Spirit as the interpreter of the story tell us the story again. Orangewood, we're at a critical part in our journey. We really are. I think our church is at a bit of a crossroads. And I felt in the last several months that God is calling me into a deeper part of this story to understand the story better, to really understand what He's doing in my life in areas that I couldn't control. And I believe He's calling you as well. i got to be honest with you, I don't know all the details of what my life will bring tomorrow, and I don't know all the details of what our church will bring tomorrow. But I do know He's calling us to be better storytellers. And I do believe He's calling us to know the story better. So today, I implore you, I beg you on Christ's behalf, I beg you to come and go, join us in a sacred journey where together as a family, we are going to say, God, teach us your story more clearly. Reveal to us your part. Where do I play that part in this story here? Um, I hope I have ushers that are close by. I'm going to pass out for you all. Is there any ushers here? I don't see, there's a couple. I'm going to hand to you uh, in just a few minutes as they're being handed out something called our sacred journey. Um, this sacred journey will give you uh, a calendar of events for this fall. It will tell you what ministries we're offering, but more than anything, it will tell you of a journey that I believe God is calling us on. Listen. Starting on the 12th of September, I'm going to preach through Christian disciplines. We're going to preach on that on Sunday. You'll be handed things to do individually that week, Monday through Friday. So on the 13th of September, you'll have some devotional material to go deeper with. The following Sunday, I'll preach on another spiritual discipline. But that night, we will gather again, break into small groups, and discuss what does this really mean for us. It's a seven-week journey. A sacred journey. Let me call you on this journey. Come with us. When you get this booklet, you'll see, for those of you who are not a part of Orangewood, uh, how to join our church or find more about us, our equipping centers. But really, let me call your attention to pages 2 and 3. Come and journey with us to be the storytellers God longs for us to be. I'm going to pray for us. Um, you guys can still pass out these... Uh, um, journey notes. Let me pray. 
Father God, thank You so much for the amazing, amazing love and grace that compels us out of our little teeny stories into Your big story. Father, thank You that You have given us the ministry of being storytellers. Unbelievable. You want to use us. Each one of us. Without one page missing. And I could hear the words of Paul just begging the church at Corinth, be reconciled to God. Know Him. Know Him deeply because you're a storyteller. And God, I could hear Your words to us today saying come and journey on this sacred journey. Father, I pray for every man, woman, and child that's in this sanctuary that Your Holy Spirit would be working on their hearts. That those who aren't part of the story, that today they'd be ushered in. For those who are on the outside of the story, maybe they know You, but they're just tangently connected. Draw them in. God, I pray for each one of us that You would truly, truly, Your Holy Spirit would unite us and draw us into the sacred journey. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. One of the things we try to do here at Orangewood is to be kingdom ambassadors, to be storytellers from the earliest age. I'm so proud of the fact that we have over 800 students that show up here on a weekly basis that we can try to tell them about being kingdom ambassadors. So we're going to look at a little video. Rejoice at what God is doing here, telling His story through us. continue the idea of Kingdom Ambassadors at the school. That's an important component for us as being a part of the church. And the fifth grade teachers, myself and Ms. Turner, really believe that it's important for children to not only serve others, but to actually do physical work. So specifically, what we have done is we've gone to the Zellwood area and we have picked sweet corn. And those vegetables that day are given away to needy families in the Central Florida area. And it's very much also similar to the story in Ruth in the Bible, because remember, she gleaned also for her family. And so we incorporate the biblical idea of gleaning. And um, it's really a fun thing to see the children out there. They get very hot, very sweaty. It is hard, dirty work. We have harvested in one day's time bushels and bushels of sweet corn. And then that is bundled into plastic bags and taken then to um, a local shelter where families line up literally about two hours before the food is given out, the families line up to receive that food. So that corn is actually that we have harvested is actually eaten that day by a hungry family. A couple years ago, after I went to Acapulco, I decided to start making bags because I sew so I could sell them and earn money to buy school supplies and tennis shoes and whatever the kids at Casa Hogar need. The first time I went, I fell in love with the kids and every year, once I got back, I started like something that I could use to raise money for the kids there. One of the big things I know that they always are needing is just like school supplies in general, because it's just hard to get enough for all 60 some odd kids. I know it affects me, like it gives me a good perspective on like how much I have because I'm like I can just like run to the store and get everything I need for school and they're like having to share with everyone and hope they have enough for school. 
this really isn't about education. You know, education is a byproduct, and it's a byproduct of understanding how much God loves us. And to the degree that we understand and believe that we're loved by God, we will be able to love the people around us. That's what Orangewood is doing on a daily basis, is exposing our students to the love of a God who created them uniquely and loves them fiercely. Beyond our national borders, we've been really excited to have uh, a number of international students each year. We've had uh, some from Korea. We currently have a number of students from Korea, uh, last year from China and from France, uh, this year from Vietnam. And what's exciting about that for us is not only do we get to minister to them locally, but then they take what they've learned here and, and the Jesus they've met here at Orangewood and take it back home with them to Korea or to Paris or to uh, China. And they become uh, ambassadors, not just in Maitland, not just in the United States, but in their home country. So we're excited about that. We have been able through Maitland Community Preschool to reach out to many unchurched families or families that have not been very plugged into a church. And um, I really think that it starts to ring in the heart of a parent when their child is coming home singing songs or telling stories about the Bible or asking questions that the parents can't answer. Um, that I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of those parents and drawing them to Himself. And so, um, although it's, it's great for the families that are in our church, it's also been a great outreach to the community. And there have been several families that have come to Christ and are coming back to our church and other churches because of what's happening at the preschool. We are a community preschool and that differs from Orangewood Christian School, which is a covenant school. And um, Maitland Community Preschool really exists to reach out to the preschoolers in our community and to bring them in and tell them about Jesus. That's really our goal. We have chapel once a week for all of the kids. And so our main goal is to help them to understand who they are um, emotionally, uh, physically. We're working on all of those things. Academically, we're working on things, but most of all, we want them to grow spiritually. We want them to hear the good news of Jesus. It is a place where little children are loved on in a way that we hope brings Christ into their life. They are told Bible stories from the perspective of Jesus in every story. If we are putting faith words into their vocabulary, we are starting them on a journey to know Jesus. We are starting them on a journey to be a kingdom ambassador. So there's a whale, and, and Jonah tries to run away from God, you know, like he was long this story. But no, you can, no matter where you go, you can't hide from God. And so God sent a great, great big fish to eat to swallow up Jonah. The whale spit Jonah out, and then Jonah was good. And Jonah told the people that God was, if you don't be good, better, they were, he was gonna blow you guys up. So Jonah went and sat on a cliff and, and was gonna watch him blow up. 
but he thought that they were going to blow up, but he didn't. And he was like, God, why aren't they blowing up? He said, did I give you another chance? And he's like, yes. Well, should I give them another chance? And he's like, yes. that I told Diane Langmo, find that boy an agent. He's going to be good. <laughs> Probably the most compelling part of that was to hear Garrett tell the story. I mean, just something about a little kid, isn't there? Something about a little kid just talking about with wonder and awe about a God who is. I mean, he couldn't hide the excitement. Don't you think that's the way the God, the Father, sees us? Don't you think he sees us being his storytellers and telling part of his story? And don't you just feel his love for us? Don't you think he looks at us and he sees our idiosyncrasies and our little quirks and the accent in our voice and he says, oh, I love my storytellers. I've brought them into my story. I've loved them with an everlasting love. So now they can tell the world about a God who offers second chances. As you leave here today, you'll look up and you'll see something new on the wall. It's We Are Christ's Ambassadors. All year it'll be there. I never want you to forget it. You are God's storyteller in Christ Jesus. And let me encourage you, you now have this in your hand. Look at this. I implore you on Christ's behalf. Set this in your schedule. Come on this sacred journey to know the story and the storyteller better so that He can have great delight in us as we wrestle with what that means. Let us pray together. Father God, we thank You for Your amazing love that rescues. Amazing love that sets us free. An amazing love that sends us from our little pathetic stories into Your big and grand real story. And Father, here we are as Your children and as Your storytellers we can only tell what we know. So draw us deeper, deeper into you, into your love, better understanding so that we can tell a world that's desperate, that's dressing up in Star Wars characters about a God who loves. So as we pray together, we pray that prayer, Jesus, that you taught your disciples to pray, praying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.